This is the 442 Insider Euro 2012 Special, brought to you in association with Betfair, where better betters bet. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Euro 2012 Special Edition, brought to you with our good friends at Betfair. Um, just need to say, please do gamble responsibly, like me. Mm. Anyway, all right. This is our podcast where we review the group stages and preview the knockouts. Uh, gentlemen, let's just talk generally from our own. I'm joined by uh, Kevin Ayres, online editor and magazine editor, Aidan Norman. Morning, boys. Morning. G'day, mate. Let's talk big picture, first of all. Out of 10, Euros so far? Yeah, it's been a good one, I think. There's been uh, plenty of cracking games. Uh, it's been, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, crowd's been good, just not much in the way of crowd violence and some great football. A little dust up between the Russians yeah. and the Poles, but that's to be expected. Yeah, Centuries nine out of, of ten, I give it. Apparently, it's been brilliant. Yeah. yeah, enjoyed every minute of it so far. Yeah, yeah. And how much of that would we say is down to the unsung hero of the Euro so far, the Tango Twelve? Mm. Oh we, yeah, huge. We compare it with the end of the group stages uh, at the World Cup. We're all talking about the ball. Exactly. Yeah. Genuinely, yeah. we're not talking about the ball. It's it's done. It's been kicked and it's gone where it's expected to go mm. and not suddenly detoured into orbit or uh, into rosette. No, it's, and it's a classic. Yeah. Every, every major every, tournament should just be a tango. I, just, virgin yeah. I don't understand why they piss about with bloody balls right at the last moment. Suddenly introduce this X mm. factor that nobody's had a chance to play with except mm. the Germans. <laughs> Who had the uh, Jabalani six months before everybody else? Yeah. Um, still didn't work for him. Still though. didn't work, no. Uh, but yeah, just a normal conventional ball that does ball things and doesn't suddenly, you know, turn into. It's a like these mobile phones these days. Let's just have a phone that you can use. No, no, let's not go too far. Yeah. Big phones, that's the future. He says, slapping out his S3. Very good-looking fans at these Euros as well, I have to say. That's a small TV. It is. (laughs) All right, so let's kick off. Let's take the uh, the groups in uh, in order. Group A contained uh, hosts Poland, Greece, Russia, Czech Republic. Now, who saw this one coming? Certainly not the Russians. Czech Republic and Greece qualified. Uh, Russia and Poland go home. I mean... First game, Russia 4, Czech Republic 1. What odds would you have mm. got at that stage on uh, Czech Republic qualifying as winners and Russia going home? Mm. I, I genuinely, this I said before the tournament started, this was the, the group of cannon fodder and all the rest of it, but I also thought it was a group of sleep. And I actually went to sleep for the last round, thinking it was pretty cut and dried, and woke up to discover Russia was uh, going home. Uh, how, I, how does that happen? It's astonishing. Uh, they played good football against Czechs. They absolutely destroyed them. And, yeah, it was a head-to-head rule that kicked them out, wasn't it? I mean, you know, we're talking about you know, what, what makes a good tournament, and I'm guessing you know, one of the yardsticks is how many teams are in contention in, in the final group game. You know, And this was a... This is a group where all four teams could have progressed or all four teams could have uh, could have gone out. And that, that makes for, if not fantastic football in that last game, certainly tension-filled football, as we saw with uh, with Greece's win over Russia. Um, and uh, Karagounis' uh, histrionics after he was booked for, the, for a dive. Hey, I've seen it. That was not a dive. You've seen it, boys? I didn't see it. That was not a dive. But I'm so glad the Greeks of three A's just sticks it up. I thought there was contact, and it was a dive. He definitely took 
put away. His second foot that goes down, he could have easily put that down flat and he put it down to go down. He was, but he was clipped. No doubt about it. I think that the first, the first instance is the free kick. It, it, it was a, you know, it, it was a, I couldn't believe it when I saw the referee. It was just mind-blowing. But I love the fact that Greeks, the Greeks are through. I think it's brilliant. They just keep, they just keep doing it. I didn't even realise there was a chance they could go through when I went to bed. Genuinely, yeah. I thought it was so cut and dried. Mm. Uh, and just to, to wake up and see that, uh, brilliant. Not yeah. quite so sure. <laughs> I had a Metsy, <coughs> I cooked a Metsy plate in their honour last night and stinky garlic. Sorry, guys. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that. But <laughs> Poland, uh, unfortunately. Their best period was the first 20 minutes of the first game, and they, they never really produced much after that. Although uh, the game against Russia uh, on the pitch as well as off the pitch was uh, was an emotional game, motion charge game, and uh, a, a cracking equaliser from Blachikovsky. Mm. Come on, hey, get it off the tongue now. Just get, that's impressed. I'm mean, very impressed. I have to say, though, that the Czech Republic against Poland, uh, it was classic Vitislav Lavica. They just hung in there for the entire game and then nicked it at the end. Um, and uh, they're through. Who would have thought? Brilliant. Czech Republic, led yeah. by 48-year-old Milan Baros, um, and ended up winning the group with six points. Greece edged out Russia. Oh, interesting. Let's talk about the ways that of, um, of basically that Greece go through with a goal difference of zero and four points, and Russia go out with a goal difference of plus two and four points. I still can't get my head around this head-to-head mini-league. You've got to say, go with goal difference first, and then, if they're still tied, then you go to head-to-head. To go head-to-head first just seems very, very Partic- strange. Particularly in a 16-team tournament. Yeah. You could sort of understand it in a 32-team tournament where there's normally one team in the group that you would say is a, is a weak link. And, mm. uh, you know, what they're trying to do, obviously, is, is in that one team getting a spanking. Yeah. And therefore, it's about the teams that are in contention rather than the team that's out of it. But in this tournament, where you've got all four teams in contention on the last day, and, you know, it just, seemed, it just seems like not football to me. To see, look at that table. Look at that table. I'll be got, that's a misprint. They've got that wrong. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> but, plus or minus, naught, four points. But Second it, place, plus or minus two, four points. Third place. But if you were Greece and you came head to head, you had exactly the same results as uh, a Russia, and you go head to head and you win, and you still then get kicked out. That wouldn't mm. seem right if you were going yeah, yeah, kicked out of Russia. So I, I can kind of understand it, but it is very counterintuitive, mm. uh, and I'm not sure I like it. It's, you know, we, we've got a, a fairly established system of deciding these things. And, and also, it's just, it seems like, does, does it change as well at some point? Because people can't, oh, I'm watching it, and uh, so I'm talking about a coefficient and stuff. I'm like, it's turning into one-day cricket. Like, uh, oh, it's now a mini-league between these three, two, two or three teams. It's what's like, a oh, coefficient, Jack? I don't know, some sort of ratio, some sort of fraction. Be getting the, uh, the Lewis Duckward, Duckworth exactly. method exactly. when the Ukraine match was rained off. Uh, yeah, no, that doesn't seem right. We don't like that. Okay. The, Greek, the Greeks are through. I think that's brilliant. I love it. I love it. I think it's brilliant. It's hilarious. They could get all the way. What have the Greeks ever done for us? Yeah. Given us dodgy. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> Greece and Czechs. Mm. We've been going together for a while. There's not, not many that they can cash. But anyway. Uh, all right. So that was Group A. We will do Group B now. And then we'll, uh, we'll do this in three parts today, I think. We'll do Groups A and B. 
we'll do groups C and D, and then we will uh, preview the knockout stages. So group B, the first group of death. Germany, Portugal, Denmark, Netherlands. Probably one, the winner you would have picked, the Netherlands, though. Let's, let's pick the bones out of the Netherlands' performance. No wins, no draws, no points. Goodbye. Would you believe this for the start? I think my, my favourite headline of the tournament so far, apart from uh, the great Ukraine robbery this morning on au.442.com, <laughs> was Legoland versus Egoland. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, in, in our preview podcast, we, picked out, all. we picked out the Dutch back four as, as a weakness, but I think we all thought that in the group stages at least they'd have too much in the striking stocks to go out at that stage. I seem to remember I tipped Portugal possibly going through at uh, Holland's expense somewhere, whether it was this podcast or the video podcast did with the fans, or just in front of the mirror at home. <laughs> You never can tell. I don't, I don't think that. I don't think that was. I don't think that was beyond the realms of sort of tipping. But to not to not win score a, goal, a single point, uh, to not to not win a game, sorry, not get a point, and yeah. to only score two goals in the three games. I wouldn't have put money on that ever. Particularly uh, in that first half of the first game when they were really, you thought this could be a great tournament for them. Uh, they didn't take their chances. They yeah. lost the opening game um, to a cracking goal from Denmark, and then it's gone downhill ever since. And public criticism as well. Which is the standard thing. Yeah, in yeah. I mean, you've got the usual uh, implosion that went on in the Dutch ranks when things started to go wrong for them, but they, they brought nothing. I mean, they, they really, there was not a lot there. Like you say, the first few minutes of the, the opening game. 20 minutes or so, they were on uh, They were great. But after that, what did they offer? Nothing at all. I mean, and it, you know, there were players that had had stunning club seasons Huntelaar, Van Persie, mm. that just didn't show anything. Yeah. You know, I Schneider, mean, I thought, was, was OK. Schneider, I, I mean, credit. Schneider, I thought, had a good tournament, actually. Uh, no, that's not true, actually. He had a good couple of passes. Yeah, but uh, what, what was interesting was that, obviously, Van Marwijk was, was sort of going his own way and Van Persie was starting, Huntelaar and Van der Vaart were on the bench. And I think Van Marwijk knew that that defence needed two screening players. And then he took them out for the last game and just said, well, there you go, then. Let's put Van der Vaart there mm. and... Let's put Huntelaar in. And I think that, that the goal, I think the second goal just sung up for me. I think I tweeted at the time. Like, it, it, there were six players on the edge of the Portuguese box and not one of them chased back. And, that, you know, <laughs> and he'd, he'd gone to three at the back at that yeah. point. You know? And it's like, you, at some point, you've got to look at the balance of your side, not just, hey, I've got, these, I've got six great forward players. Yeah. Let's get them all on at the same mm. time because it's just not going to work. Yeah, mm. reminds me of Gus Hiddink's approach uh, in the latter moments of the, the Japan game where he just threw on everybody that had ever been a forward <laughs> sod the defence. Yeah. You know, it worked for him then, but yeah. you can't do that all the time. Oh, you can't do that for 90 minutes. No, really. not at all. But even having said that, even with their f- losing their first two games, this was still a group where all four teams could have qualified. Yeah. And when Holland went 1-0 up and... Uh, you know, the Germans were huffing and puffing their way pa- eventually past Denmark. You know, th- th- again, this was another group that we were like, mm. is someone going to come from the dead to, to sort of qualify? And that's been the great thing about the tournament so far. It's got, you know, the last game of the group has still been really exciting, um, even this morning as well. So, um, yeah. All right, let's look at Germany. Uh, do as Germany does. Three wins. Never really uh, had to extend themselves too much. Um no injuries, no suspensions. Mario Gomez silencing a few of the doubters. Yep. Mm. Yep. 
Yeah. It's been so perfect. It's been too perfect at times. Yeah, I mean... Well, the last game, I think they struggled a little bit at times against Denmark. It's been great, I think, in this tournament. If you look at the scores, though, I mean, they've not dominated a match in the way that, you know, they dominated some of the World Cup games. Uh, You know, they destroyed us, they destroyed England uh, 4-0, and these games have been much tighter. Uh, Obviously, you know, they've gone through perfect three wins, which has got to be impressive, and everybody's tipping them for the top, and it's looking that way. But I'm just not quite as convinced about them as I was oh, before. Oh, come the on. But I, also, but I also think that like the German mentality, the tournament mentality, take out the, the Australia game because we were useless and didn't yeah. put up any resistance. Yeah. Their mentality is the group stages is a bit like qualifying. It's the pre-qualifying for knockout stages, and the, uh, oh, yeah. the objective yeah. is to get there with as minimum of fuss, with as, with as fewer injuries and as few suspensions as possible, and they've done that. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, exactly. like England and Argentina was was knockout. That's when they go through and they're like, oh, we, we can't go into the last five minutes one nil because it's now knockout, and that's when they put the foot down. I think they're going into this as strong as anyone. I think. Yeah. I, still, oh, I think. Yeah. I think they combine yeah. the old mentality with this new this new ethos that they have. I think it's absolutely awesome. And Yogi Lowe's come out and said we can get better. Which is a sign to the oh, definitely. oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I just you do worry though that it, 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 you know, have they peaked too early? That's the only I, thing. I, I'm not by any manner of means saying that they're not contenders. They are very, very definitely contenders as far as I'm concerned. I'm just surprised and not being quite as dominant as I expected them to be yeah. in the matches. That's uh, fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Portugal, or should we say Cristiano Ronaldo, qualified in second, second place. I mean, is it as simple as that? It is. It, I mean that. The big difference with the last couple of games, it, Ronaldo just decided to take it all on and do it all himself, and he did. Uh, and you know, it just showed, uh, especially against the Dutch, he was just on fire. He was everywhere, front and back. I think, but also, I mean, let, let's say that, that, that okay, he was dominant against the Dutch, against the weakest defence in the group, and probably one of the weakest defensive units in the tournament with a team that dropped one of their screening midfield players, had six players that weren't chasing back. And Ronaldo dominates. Mm. Is there a bit of the sort of flat track bully about that? I, th- I think that's always been the thing with re- with Cristiano Ronaldo. I think we said it in the last podcast. It's that you know we really need to see him at that level, the higher level, where he's playing against the Germany, where they're well organised, where he can really show exactly what he can do on the international stage. I still don't think he's shown it. And to be fair, Portugal, you know, Moutinho, Raul Morales, what a great midfield. Yeah, I, I'm still convinced that Portugal get more in them, uh, and I, I think you know Ronaldo. Dark horse? Ha, I wouldn't go so far as to say dark horse, uh, but I think they, they've got they've shown that you know they have got a side there that is slightly beyond Ronaldo. But you know Ronaldo has really stepped up uh, so far uh, and shown what he's capable of with the, the nation and taking the nation along with him. Uh, and yeah, I think. And, and, he, and he's christened the sort of like half-time Harry style as well. He's had, he's had a first-half hairstyle and a second-half hairstyle, which is fantastic. Yeah. Personally, I'm enjoying watching what he comes out in the second <laughs> half with. How, is he going to go for the little comb over or the comb forward? So. And also, I think I think the jibes from the, the Danish fans about Messi were, were exactly what he needed at that time. I think, and I think I, they've I, done him a favour. I genuinely think that's really given him a big, bit of a geo. You know, he's so precious about Messi. Uh, and the comparisons are just going to uh, drive him forward and shot the Dutch in the foot when they start to bring that up, I think. 
I mean, while whilst he, on, on one hand he's you know he's obviously their best chance, is he also potentially their biggest liability in the knockout stages when they cut when they come up against a better team? That his insistence on trying to do absolutely everything will be too predictable for mm. good sides, and they'll just double team him, pick him off. The right side of midfield player will drop back, which the Dutch just didn't do, you know, and and he'll be sort of you know handled with care, but handled, and he will then start trying to shoot from 40 yards or take oh, yeah. and then he gets up. frustrated and he gets yeah. frustrated easily and he gets worse when yeah. he gets frustrated yeah. and, the petulance and that's the thing I'm yeah. once yeah. the petulance comes out you can because I've Portugal's never I've never on. seen anyone throw their hands up and their like when a teammate like you know yeah. doesn't deliver a pass or or you know like goes the other way and doesn't give him the ball I mean it, you know it, it he would wind me up to play yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just be like you would just shut want to up get on with it yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, once that happens, would you all... really say that? Yeah, 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 I would. Yeah, it all unravels. Bollocking. Yeah, uh, it that's all what unravels. he needs. What's bollocking in Portuguese? I don't know, but that's what he needs. <laughs> I discovered what it is in Ukrainian actually last night. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I can't remember now. Oh, like blocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So as I said, qualifying from that group are Germany and Portugal, and we will uh, we'll talk about their quarterfinal opponents when we get to part three. That's all for part one. We'll be back in part two to uh, review the happenings in Group C and D. Four four two has caught Euros fever. The new issue is a Euro 2012 special edition, featuring all the news and big name interviews from the Spanish, Dutch, German, and English camps. Go one on one with Irish keeper Shay Given and discover the players four four two thinks will shine in the tournament. Relive the 50 moments that rock the Euros and hear who the SBS commentators unanimously think will win this year. And it's not who you think. 442's Euro 2012 Special Edition is on sale now at all good news agents and the App Store. Welcome back to the 442 Insider Euro 2012 Special, brought to you in association with Betfair, where better betters bet. Hello and welcome back to this uh, special edition of 442 Insider, our uh, second Euro 2012 special edition. We're now reviewing the action group stages, groups C and D, kick off with C first. Um, predictably, uh, Spain topped the group, Italy runners-up, Croatia in third place, Republic of Ireland did indeed turn out to be the whipping boys of the group. Um, but, I mean, that wasn't the whole story, really, because... You know, Spain tread the line a little bit against Croatia. You know, when it got to the last 10 minutes mm. and, you know, Croatia had a, had a great opportunity and a really good shout for a penalty. Mm. Um, so, I mean, let, let's, let's talk about the games as they happen. Obviously, first up, Spain, Italy. Um, got to agree off to a good start. I was, I was quite impressed with the Italians. Thought yeah. They did well. I thought they played an expansive football as well. It wasn't defensive. Mm. You know, they, they took the game they, to Spain. They, took, they played them head on. Uh, I was very impressed by them. Much better I, I think the best expecting. game of the tournament for me, this one. Tactically as yeah. well. I mean, it was. I don't know whether Prandelli was gonna play with that three at the back anyway, or he had sort of sussed out that Spain were not gonna play with a with a traditional centre forward, so he could actually get away with playing De Rossi as a sort of you know semi sweeper who could then come into midfield ahead of the two defenders to almost act as you know to follow. Fabregas, who was playing that sort of false number nine without getting to Jonathan Wilson. Um, 
But I thought Italy, you know, they, they looked dangerous. They carried a threat. I thought, you know, the substitution was a, was a good one at the right time. Dinatales Din looked sharp and, and seems to be happy playing that role of mm-hmm. sort of, you know, impact. Either impact from the yeah. start, i.e., go on and give me an hour, or impact at the end, yeah. go on and give me sort of 30 minutes. And I think Balotelli's working really hard up front. He's obviously still very inexperienced at that, that level, but um, it seems to work well, bringing him off the bench. Um, and Pirlo, I mean, still. 35, is he? Well, I think he might be older than that. You know, I mean, there's even talk about potentially bringing him over here at some point, so that'll be great. What a player. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the unusual thing for me is that Italy camp as a whole seems unified and content with each other uh, and working well, even with Balotelli in there. Uh, and that's, that's going to help them in the next round. Uh, Spain, however, I thought were... Uh, much better than I was expecting. Not so much in the first game. I thought the first game was tactically they got it wrong, uh, going for the no strikers and false nine uh, scenario. But I think on the whole, everybody's kind of been downplaying them, mm. writing them off, and saying they're going to be tired and you know they've not got it in them anymore. The, but I thought they were looking very dangerous and very good. When we said this in the preview, I think the, the, I think a lot of the people that were sort of right in Spain off. Which is people that were just a bit jaded by their dominance. Yeah, you know, yeah. they, they hadn't played any more games than the Germans, you know, or the the English players coming in there. You know, yeah. and to me, I, it's just like, yeah, they are still bloody good. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. they I mean, are going to pass mean, you off the pitch. You know, yeah. I mean, against the Republic of Ireland, it was like a training game at times. I don't know whether you saw. The oh, game. yeah, it's just, just, just ridiculously was... one-sided. Well, I mean, even Torres got a couple. I mean, we about <laughs> but that's the great thing about Torres coming back and getting a couple. He's got his confidence back, and he's a confidence player. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was growing at the end of the season as well. In the yeah. EPL with Chelsea, I mean, he was he was showing signs of being the player of old. He was shocking against Italy. I mean, he had a couple yeah. of chances, yeah, and every pass he tried to make. To, and then, and then, but he wasn't Spain, really Spain just Croatia. wasn't working against Italy, though. I mean, they, yeah. they were experimenting with that system, and like I said before, you know, I, I don't think that works. I mean, if the, if you're Florenta, you've got to be sitting there on the bench going, "What do I have to yeah. do to get yeah. a game here?" You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the Italian fans at uh, Star Casino, who we we go every night virtually, uh, the 24/7 bar at Star Casino, they said to me that the best thing about this Italian side is they play with a bit of heart, you know, and that's that that mm. you can clearly see. Yeah, yeah. And Valley okay. seems to have teamed them. Uh, I mean, let, I mean, let's talk about Croatia. I mean, personally, I really enjoyed watching the Croatians play. I thought they were excellent. I, and I was actually a bit disappointed that they didn't go through because um, I, I thought they, you know, like. You sort of thought, is this a bit village leaving? Is this a sort of a start of a decline? But then you looked at some of those players and you're like, how do they keep producing players of that sort of quality? It's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah we really, talk really about impressive. you know where were we looking at a country of our size, a country of Croatia size continues to yeah. produce this production line of quality technical players yeah. Yeah. in a league that's considered fairly low in, yeah. in Europe but obviously two big clubs in Croatia split in oh, look, Denmark I was thinking the same myself though with Denmark and they did it you with Olic as well which is incredible Denmark's an even smaller country and even lower rated league probably and yet look how good they've got number 10 uh, in the world yeah. and playing some really good football uh, mm. you know they might have gone home but they didn't. they went home with their heads held high I think so, you know, I don't think we can necessarily gauge the, the population uh, and esteem of the league is necessarily good yardsticks uh, to compare ourselves against. I'm not sure what is. But I'd just love to go and sort of actually say, right, go and watch some of their youth development sessions and look at 
what their local clubs are doing. Mm. Look at what the, the there, FA is there's doing. There's something obvious. Something's going on yeah, there. Exactly. Same with Denmark players, as well. You know. uh, we need to have a look at you know what's going on. Because I mean, yeah, you, you look at a country the size of Denmark. You know they've been producing players that have been at top Premier League clubs now for the last 25 years. Yeah. You know, since they won the Euros in mm. yeah. You know what's it 92. 92, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's 20 years, you know, and those Schmeichel, Jensen, those sort of players, you know. And the Croatians haven't just been doing it in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, you go back to Yugoslavia in 1990, yeah, which yeah. was, you know, Serbian, Croatian quarterfinalist, I think, in 1990. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stojkovic era. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not even a case of, you know, the football tradition, because what I was comparing against was Scotland, obviously. Same population size, same latitude almost as well as Denmark. Uh, same, you know, historic link with uh, football and yet completely different performances on the field uh, and something obviously is going on that's really good there and with Croatia as well and yeah more attention needs to be paid to see what's going on the development over there, there. Mm. no it'd be interesting to look at um, but yeah certainly and going forward I, I, I really enjoyed watching Jelovic and uh, Mandzukic I thought they were an excellent pairing yeah uh, actually speaking to Timmy Kell before the tournament he said he, 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 you know, he was tipping Jelovic to do well and um, he's done well at Everton as well and but uh, you know Mo- I think Modric was good I mean people have sort of criticised oh no him. I think Modric is quality you yeah. know like people yep. have criticised him for not having the impact that they thought he would but I think in that team when you look at Modric versus Ronaldo in the team that they play it's very balanced the thing yeah. about Modric as well is that he, you know unlike Ronaldo you know he is a, an ultimate sort of team player oh yeah so if the coach yeah. asks him to sit and play the holding role, he'll play that. If he asks him to play number 10, he'll play that. Yeah. And he played both during the group stages. You know. Well, as Harry said, you know, Harry Redknapp, he's, he's such a good lad. Out of his car window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, let's, let's talk about the Irish, the, the one team that we haven't spoken about. Um, massively disappointing from them. Uh, look, you know... Uh, they made it, uh, you've got to see it in terms of, they made it to the best 16 in Europe, uh, I think, and they were completely out of the depth. Yeah. But they made it there, and you could put so many other teams from Europe in their situation, and they get slaughtered just as badly or even worse. So I think if they had any expectations of making it out of that group, of any group uh, at the Euros, they were being wildly ambitious. Uh, but having said that, against Spain, they were just diabolical. I mean, they didn't help themselves in the first two games, conceding and within the first four minutes in both games, which yeah. really sort of throws any any sort of you know their, their game plan was going to be obvious. Let's yeah. try and keep it tight. Let's try and nick one. And I think the longer to... it stays nil nil, the more chance we've got. And so then concede a goal in the first three or four minutes in both games. Yeah, and a bit of bad luck for Shea Given where it hits the back of his head and goes in. I, but I thought Shea Given had a shocking tournament. I yeah. thought he was poor. It was, it was a you know, In all three games, there were, there were a few clangers for him, which doesn't yeah. fill me with confidence being a Villa fan. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say also, I think Trapattoni is, is a manager... Uh, you know, of the old school, and I just don't think that it, it, it washes in the modern day, his style uh, of football. Look, he was being pragmatic. He, he, against the he, Spanish, what was it? What, he tried to flood midfield and try and start? I mean, it's, it's not going to work. Generally speaking, he had a team of, you know, workhorses that would put in the effort, but lacked the talent by comparison, and he tried to do what he could with them. Uh, and the opposition took one look at it and said, right, we'll get an early goal. We'll really press hard for the early goal and there'll be stuff from that point on. And it worked. You know, yeah. it was, also, it was that teams simple. Teams just had past them as well. They just, you know. Yeah, you they, they just don't have... 
the depth of the talent that you know the teams they were up against uh, had. Four one goal. But anyway, nine. They were they were one goal conceded away from being the worst ever European Championships finalists. <laughs> there you go. It's a trivia point. Who was the worst? Um, I can't remember. Probably well, Scotland. Probably不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不知道。不
but you know, I mean, the, the purists, the purists will say they're not playing great football, and they're right, you know. But they are playing like a Roy Hodgson side, yeah. and the FFA have appointed Roy Hodgson and given him four years. So, yeah. unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, that is what England have said. We want our national team mm. to be coached by Roy Hodgson, mm. and you know, you can go back for his whole career, and he, and he plays. Four four one one, you know, and and he, he doesn't necessarily play expansive wide men. He likes his midfielders to tuck in. He likes to be compact, you know. That four four one one can become a four three three in an attacking sense. All you need is your two advanced players to go forward. All of a sudden, you got two holders. You got your one in the hole, and you've got two wide men. That's what he goes to, you know. That's what he went to when he bought on World Cup and, and Oxlade Chamberlain, you know. It's it's not necessarily that pretty, but it's proven effective. And to be I honest, in a that's tournament, exactly what England's always needed—something that's actually effective and not trying to be anything other than it is yeah. effective, ugly football. And, I mean, let's face it, he had what three weeks before the tournament, yeah, three, four weeks. So you know, he's looked no, at it and that, gone, "Okay, I don't have a problem with that." The problem is, is that it's not going to change, though. Yeah. No, no. After this, this, this is for four years. He's not going to. He's not going to all of a sudden reinvent himself as a coach and go, "We're no. now going to play," you know. Sort of four three three, and we're going to keep the ball. You know that. That's my only concern is that you know as as we go further into the tournament, England just can't keep the ball. Mm. It's generally you know England take possession within five or six passes. They've either given it away or they've created an opportunity or it's gone out of play, and then the opposition gets the ball. And and we've not really come up against mm. anyone bar the French in periods that have been able to keep the ball much longer than we have, you yeah. know, and ultimately they will come up against well, either Italy will Spain, Italy maybe, but even Italy I think can't, you know, I think... I, I think, think Italy are a more direct team than they used yeah, to be. I, I so, think so, yeah, um, definitely. That might suit England, but, I mean, he's coached into Milan, so, um, you know, he's got an insight I, at least into the Italian mentality. I have been really impressed by the impact... Hodgson has managed to have on the team in such a short space of time, though. I mean, he has only had three weeks with them, and he's definitely, you can see, he's got them playing his way. The discipline's there. Gerard has been outstanding, yeah. oh. you know, both in open play and, and his set pieces mm. have been uh, and Andy Carroll scored? devastating. And, and what a header as well. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, oh, I mean that, there's not much three, he can do, but he can head a ball. Yeah. Those three goals that you got uh, against Sweden were every single one of them was stunning. Yeah. Absolutely mm. stunning. Uh, I mean, I do, you know, but I, I think Gerard, I agree, has been superb. Mm. And I tell you, despite the controversy about him being there, John Terry has been huge. No, yes, as he's well. good. Yeah. But I think Gerard has, you know, has, has played within himself is not the right term because he's given everything. What I mean is tactically, he's played within himself. Mm. I.e., he's not tried to be everywhere. Yeah. And that's, that's Hodgson's influence, yeah, so, you yeah. know, and, and the thing is that he's listened to it. He's not just going, well, I'm, I'm just going to hurl forward. And, but again, you know, it's the sort of thing that every fan on the sidelines has been saying for ages. You know, do your one job, do what you do, and do it well. And don't worry about the rest. Let other people step in. Yeah. And it's where him and Lampard were always overlapping because they were both trying to do several jobs at once. Uh, and it wasn't working. Uh, I can see Lampard coming back into that and working well with him. No. I mean, people have singled out sort of Milner as the week. But I, I mean, I put on Twitter today, I mean, watching it, I, I think. Milner is doing a very specific job, and most of his work is covering Glenn Johnson's defensive yeah. you know, deficiencies mm. because he has to give him mm. so much cover. But the problem is with that is that as soon as he gets the ball, Milner, 
everybody knows that he's going to put his foot on it and just lay it either backwards or square. Mm. So the problem with that is that the opposition back four can play really narrow because he's never going to go outside the fullback. Mm. And therefore, that then congests everything for the ball played into Welbeck and Rooney's feet, which is what was happening today. Whereas when Walcott comes on, all of a sudden, Mm. the defender goes, I've got to cut off that that touchline channel because otherwise he's gone and he's past me mm. and then him moving across 10 yards opens up the balls inside mm. for the midfielders coming through or Welbeck or Rooney so but Walcott from the start is not going to give Glenn Johnson the, the cover that he needs mm. you know if we had a Michael Ashley Cole on the, the other side the question is Glenn Johnson though isn't yeah. it yeah absolutely you, you know you people are singing out Milner the... but it's not Milner yeah. no it's Glenn Johnson yeah. that is the problem yeah because I, I don't think he has obvious defensive frailties, but I don't think he even offers much in, a, uh, in you know, moving up the field either. He was shocking today, I thought. You know, he was falling over himself uh, yeah. uh, any time he got what the ball. What does Michael Richards feel like right now? I mean, <laughs> yeah. what's, what's he got to do to get I don't know why, yeah, you know, Capello just didn't, didn't rate him. He never featured under Capello, and I, I, I don't know why Hodgson didn't, didn't pick him. But anyway, uh, France... Um, Surprisingly, uh, went down 2 0 to Sweden today. Should we read too much into that? I mean, that's a, a draw, a win, and a defeat. Yeah. They I mean, look good against England in patches, in patches without sort yeah. of been, without really having that penetration. Uh, look, uh, I said it after the France England game, and that was the, you know, two quarter final exits waiting to happen, and I, I still think it is as well. I think, you know. And they're playing Spain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't see France getting much further. Despite my France is trying, like, unlike England, as one of those teams that in a knockout stage could just end up beating Spain because all of those players that, you know, Nasri, Benzema, you know, all could sort of just go, you know what, we can play this game as well. Yeah. You know, and they can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, there is a good team yeah. there. From and France. I think Blanc has got them absolutely like the Italians, like England. They're very tight. Yeah. They don't have the Dutch mentality. So yeah, the Spanish uh, will know all about Benzema. Yeah. Most of them I would play with him or against him, yeah. you know, and I think he's, uh, he's due a goal. Yeah. Um, Ukraine and Sweden. Obviously, uh, Sweden were out of it after their first two, first two defeats, but Ukraine still had an opportunity this morning against England, which they couldn't take. Um, obviously, Shevchenko, carrying a knot, didn't start, came off the bench. Um, probably about uh, what you would have expected from the Ukraine. Yeah, well, I mean, you think of them in terms of being 55th in the world or whatever it is they are. Uh, I thought that was a bloody good performance, to be honest. And they gave you plenty of scares this morning. Oh, got uh, you. Yeah. First half especially. You we know. actually don't need an opposition to give us scares in the back. <laughs> just roll it out yeah. and just say, just pass it around. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. just misplaced that one. And actually, no, it's worth asking. I mean, uh, Joe Hart, you know, your thoughts? Oh, I think Joe Hart's quality. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going, he's going to be the man for the next I mean, the save that he years. made today with one hand, yeah, that, that, that ball, yeah. has just been the in tw- that hand, yeah. you know, to yeah. keep that Incredible. ball out was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from the Nasri free kick, I think he's, he's had a great tournament. I think he's going to be, he's proved... No, but, but did you hear about that, interestingly? Nasri said, in the post-match, said that, basically said, obviously, what you realise, I train with Joe Hart yeah. every, day of the, every day of the year. And every time I get in that position, normally, I open my body out and go for the far corner. And he knew that, so I deliberately closed my foot and went low and hard at the near post because he said I knew that he would take one step over and that would be enough. And when you watch the replay again, Hart takes one step to his left and then can't get back to cover his near post. 
They're the margin. <laughs> I love it. They're the margin. But to have that go through your head yeah. when you're like, right, because he, he does open himself out and then he goes, wallet, near post. I, I love it. But then wouldn't you counteract that by thinking, I know exactly what he's thinking of doing. And yeah. then he's the going to do that. Double, 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 double. So we go that way. Yeah, no, I think he's going to be an England keeper for the next... Oh yeah, free world. And, and you know, and it yeah. does make such a difference. You know, look, you know, look yeah. at Italy. You know, Italy going into game, we'll always think, you know what, we've got a chance because we're generally not going to give away any really stupid goals. Mm. You know, our keeper doesn't come and drop corners. You know, he's yeah. not shame given. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the keepers have been outstanding in this tournament. Um, John Terry, especially this morning. <laughs> yes, fine piece of keeping. Well, I don't see that. Even though, even though we've got the fifth official, he still couldn't spot it. That was, I mean, just you've got one thing to do. You're there for one, <laughs> one purpose. Nothing else is important to you, and you still get it wrong. Well, I think it was the Jesus. bit of the girls in the stand. But the fear is, is like, you know what? You know when they say like football, it evens itself out. That took two years to even itself <laughs> out. I was there in Bloemfontein in line with that goal mouth when Frank Lampard's goal went in. But I mean, I guess the the only thing that someone said to me this morning was the the only reason you could think that he might not be able to see it was the fact that England were playing all in white, and the ball's there and Terry's body's there. Hmm. And it'd be difficult to differentiate if the ball is against a big white shirt like that, where the ball was in relation hmm. to that. I mean, it's the only reason you could think. Or he's just incompetent. Or he's just <laughs> anyway. Who so cares? that'll be the death of the, the fifth uh, assistant. Fifth anyway. official. Yeah. yeah, I think that has uh, certainly uh, expedited the uh, goal line technology coming in. But, but um, we said that before. Yeah. Anyway, all right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in the final part of this Euro 2012 special edition, uh, brought to you in association with our friends at Betfair, which is uh, where better betters bet. Um, and we will be previewing the quarterfinals and running through uh, some of Betfair's odds, not just for the quarterfinals, but uh, going on who's going to make the final and who's going to win the tournament. So join us after the break. 442 has caught Euro's fever. The new issue is a Euro 2012 special edition, featuring all the news and big-name interviews from the Spanish, Dutch, German and English camps. Go one-on-one with Irish keeper Shay Given and discover the players 442 thinks will shine in the tournament. Relive the 50 moments that rock the Euros and hear who the SBS commentators unanimously think will win this year. And it's not who you think. 442's Euro 2012 special edition is on sale now at all good news agents and the App Store. Welcome back to the 442 Insider Euro 2012 special, brought to you in association with Betfair. Where better betters bet. Hello, welcome back to the final part of uh, our 442 Insider Euro 2012 special edition, brought to you in association with Betfair. Quarterfinals. Let's do them in order. 4.45am on Friday morning. Czech Republic take on Portugal. Odds for that, looking at, uh, as I said, our, our friends at Betfair. Um, Czech Republic paying $5.80. The draw, $3.70. These are all 90-minute odds. And uh, Portugal, $1.78. About right, you probably say? Yeah. Portugal, quite strong favourites. Yeah, I can't see that going against the, the odds, to be honest. But, you know, you know uh, Czechs have surprised a few people by even being there, so who, who knows? Uh, but, yeah, unless Ronaldo breaks a leg between now and then, I reckon it's uh, I mean, in the back for them. I mean, on paper it's Portugal, isn't it? But, uh, who knows? 
you'd have to say Portugal though. Easy, really. Wouldn't you? Oh, dead, reckon. Dead easy, yeah. yeah. Looking at to win the tournament as well and to make the final, um, Portugal are now eight dollars to win the tournament and uh, are three dollars ninety five to make the final. That's I mean, I mean Portugal that's... no third favourite. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's that's pretty generous. Equal, odds, equal with England at the moment. Yeah. Potentially they would play uh, Spain in the semis, wouldn't they? Yeah. So yeah. I think the only thing I'd say is the Czechs have got absolutely nothing to lose. They they didn't expect to be there, so there'll there'll be no pressure on them whatsoever. All the pressure's on Portugal. Um so if Cristiano cracks under the pressure, you know, they score early, yeah. sit back, contain them. You never know. I th- I th- it could be a shock, but uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think Portugal pretty safe, home okay. and dry. All right. Second quarter final, uh, Saturday morning, our time, 4.45. Germany versus Greece. Uh, probably the biggest, you'd say, certainly from a, from a, from a bookie's perspective, from Betfair's perspective, this is the biggest mismatch with uh, Germany, $1.36, uh, the draw, $5.50, and Greece, 11 bucks to win in 90 minutes. Do they have a chance? Obviously, Karagounis, uh, the double whammy of him not getting the penalty and book for diving was it was his second yellow card and misses this game. Gutted. The Eurozone crisis crack. Austerity bailout quarterfinal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, Germany are going to punish Greece yet again. I can't remember what it was. Where someone said, like, you can imagine the, uh, the newly sort of uh, elected sort of Greek leader going up to Angela Merkel saying, should we double or quit? <laughs> uh, oh, okay, I mean, can we see past the Germany? Is there any chance that we see Greece winning this? I mean, we sort of know what their approach is going to be. It's going to be tight. It's going to be to frustrate. It's going to be to look for set pieces. Yeah, but they've won a tournament doing that before. They have. And yeah. I, think, I think if Germany has a weakness, it's in the centre of their defence. Um, so, again, like the Czechs, there's probably not a lot... They won't, they won't have a lot to lose in this game. Um, and if they can keep it tight for the first 60 minutes, they could nick it. But, you, again, you wouldn't imagine. No, I mean, Germany's, everything's in Germany's favour uh, to win this. But the Greeks can frustrate, they can... And how much will this financial sist- situation play into the, the minds of the players? Like, you know, before the game, you, know, you get into the well, minds... Well, the Greeks, of- I'd say the Germans, lenders are fine, but... Yeah. <laughs> Again, can't get a kit washed. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's it's going to be an interesting test for Germany because you know they're, they're going to be up against a, a kind of uh, opponent they've not met yet in the competition. Uh, uh, but uh, Greece are lucky to be here. Uh, le- at but this didn't you say that in the quarterfinals in 2004? Oh, you know, I mean, if you're if you're you Yergi you Love and um, post knitwear. Uh, decision, obviously the first big decision. Uh-huh. Um, what's your instructions to your German team? How, how do you send them out to approach this game? Play your game. You know, don't change anything. Mm-hmm. Do what's been working up to now. Uh, don't panic if you haven't scored in the first 45 because you'll score. Yeah, just you keep know, good away and be disciplined. Don't give away needless free kicks. Uh, don't do rush tackles. And they haven't in this tournament. They've been very disciplined, I think, defensively at times. Um, but yeah, I think Karagounis is the ma- is for me is the key. Without Karagounis, I think that is going to be. the But one could that there. be the sort of you know 
unifying so let's do it for him you know let's give him let's do it for game. the Eurozone let's do it for how many more things can we do it for how much more motivation <laughs> do you need to win this game boys what a surprise money for the Euros I don't know not enough it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, not, okay. it's certainly not in the billions so <laughs> not quite trillions <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we, we, at the moment the general consensus is we'll have Portugal and, and uh, Germany progressing. Uh, quarter-final three, Sunday morning, 4.45. This is a tantalising game, I think. Spain versus France. Um, Betfair odds, uh, $1.79 Spain, uh, $3.85 the draw, and $5.30 France. Uh, those are 90-minute odds. That's, that's to win in 90 minutes. Bad. So. Um, I don't know. I just see this as this could go one of two ways. I think it depends mentally how France recover from this morning, you know, because they would have potentially gone into that game against Sweden thinking, oh, you know, we've, we'll cruise to a sort of, you know, one or two nil win here, top of group, you know, avoid Spain. All of a sudden, they're playing against it. So that can either sort of go, okay, well, now we've got to really turn it on, or it's like, oh, God, we've, we've, we've blown it. Yeah, I th- mental look, mental strength, not necessarily the French uh, calling not, card. Anelka's not there, so you know they're going to be a bit stronger mentally this time. Uh, but having said that, I still they're going to go into play Spain knowing that they're the underdogs by a long, long way, uh, and that could fire them up. You know, the, they uh, may at best hope for a draw at the end of ninety. Uh, and then take it from there and take the chances. I don't see them winning in uh, regulation time by any manner of means. And if they can hold Spain at bay for the 90... Long, the longer you hold them, I think... The, the, the better chance they've got of uh, getting someone from the match. But you've got to look at Spain and think it's, it's their match for the taking there. Yeah, very experienced manager against a fairly inexperienced manager as well. I know, you know, the one thing that you'd sort of say about you know, Spain is, is that, and I know it's easy to say when you only get the ball for 10 minutes of the game, but you know, bar, the, bar the Ireland game when, when Ireland were poor, you know, we saw against Croatia that they did give Croatia a couple of big opportunities at 0-0. Um, they took 80 minutes, 80 on minutes to break through. Um, you know they they haven't scored, you know, freely against good quality teams. You know, so I think the, the danger potentially for France, for Spain in the knockout stage is they might go one nil up, but then they're quite happy then to just keep the ball. And in a knockout game, that always leaves you mm. liable to a mistake or or a poor decision. Mm. You know, a referee giving a yeah. giving a free hand ball or something like that. All of a sudden, the dynamic changes of the game completely. Benzema knows a lot of these players pretty well, yeah. Um, just as they know him. So, I think of of the of the four quarterfinals, this is the most interesting for me. Yeah. Because it could it could very well, as you say, go the French way. Yeah, definitely. It could yeah. be. Yeah, this, this could be one of those classic games. You know, it mm. could end up being a a two two. You know, Ribéry could finally decide he wants to play. Benzema could fire. You know, could be a cracker. Uh, odds to win the tournament. Sorry, as we missed me. Uh, Germany uh, are now very, very slight favourites at three dollars and ten cents. Uh, this is on Betfair, of course. Um, Greece are fifty-one dollar outsiders uh, to make the final. Germany are a dollar seventy-eight at the moment, and Greece nineteen bucks. Spain are three dollars forty to win the thing. 
and a dollar ninety five to make the final. And uh, who else? France. France are twelve bucks to win the tournament, and five dollars seventy to make the final. Portugal eight dollars to make the uh, to win be winners. That's probably the best value. I think the rest are pretty much as you might expect. I don't see an awful lot of value there. Yeah. And the thing that I see is that, you know, the France are the same odds to make the final as they are to beat Spain. Surely mm. there'd be longer odds to make the final if they're $5.70 outsiders to beat Spain. Yeah, mm. anyway, that's true. There we go. All right, the quarterfinals wrap up Monday morning, 445 uh, England versus Italy. And now this is... Uh, on paper, on uh, on Betfair's paper at least, impossible to call. Gosh, it is too. Two dollars uh, eighty-eight. Both teams are to win. The draws three dollars twenty. Ninety-minute odds. How do we see it going, boys? I think that's been kind to England, to be honest. Uh, I would have put Italy as stronger favourites uh, than. Chiellini out for Italy confirmed. Um, Big blow for them. Probably the you know the sort of their leader in the defence, um, commanding you know from set pieces. Him and Buffon, you know, great sort of relationship mm. and understanding. Is that that would be a big miss for them, Ada? Yeah, of course it is. Um, it, I think I go back to that game in uh, in Rome when England uh, qualified for France '98. That sort of that sort of game. I think we're going to see a very similar game. Um, uh, Roy won't change things very much. I think it's going to be a very similar performance. But no I temptation really... to go with Carroll to start rather than Welbeck, just to, to expose the Chiellini. Factor. Just to say, yeah, someone new's coming in centre back, you know. Yeah, I mean it could work, but when you put Carroll in, you, you're going back to the kind of predictable into the mixer type football, which I think Hodgson is. Trying to get away from, you know, sort of saving that for the last ten minutes. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it, it's the hill Mary. But then against Sweden, he them. saw that the, that they had conceded six of their last seven goals from headers, mm. the central defence. Saw that started with Carroll, got the result, got the opening goal. Mm. But Buffon's think, a much better goalkeeper than the Swedish goalkeeper. And I think I, I'm with you, Kev, on that one. I think I'd be I'd be keeping Carroll in reserve and, and playing yeah. a little bit more. I would, um, I would be more adventurous. Yeah. And the, at the other end, uh, obviously Prandelli didn't start Balotelli <coughs> in the last game. Mm. Does he think this boy's got something to prove against these lads? Mm. You know, they'll be potentially a bit more fearful of him mm. because they've seen what he can do in the Premier League. I think there's a lot of knowledge on both sides there. You know, there's going to be a lot of players on the England side that know more about Balotelli and how he operates, and uh, Balotelli knows more about how. Hey, the England team operates and so. Hart as well, you know. Like yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, um, I would, I would have Balotelli on the side. I think, I think of, of the four games, this will be probably the most intriguing game to watch. Um, I think it'll probably be the most passionate. Yeah, I think that's another way. I mean, I think Spain France will be the best one to watch. Yeah. But um, this will be because Italy play a very. I think they've they've changed. They they do play a lot more direct and a lot more, you know, down through the channels a little bit more than they used to. 
um, they're a little bit more compact than they used to. I have um, to admit, I've really enjoyed watching Italy so far in this mm. competition, and I don't normally say that about them uh, at all. And it's probably two teams in a similar situation in a sort of life cycle, in that there's a couple of members of the old guard still there for Italy, and Buffon and Pirlo, as mm. there is with England, but they're going through a bit of a regeneration, which... Mm. You sort of get a sense about Italy as well that there's not that expectation from them to win this tournament. Mm. And if anything, they're yeah. you know, very similar to England. They're probably so quarter-final was par, really. Mm. Um, so you put two teams that are, are, will look at this and think, you know, semi-final wouldn't be a bad result. Yeah, yeah. yeah without a doubt. Um, Scott Parker, obviously, will have a big role to play <laughs> um, to, to disrupt Pirlo's possession on the ball, time on the ball. Um, something that he's done very well. I mean, he, he's, he's you know not a negative player, but he's a, he's a you know his role in the team is not really sort of finding the raking passes. That's mm. Gerrard, that, and I think that's again why that England's midfield seems to have worked quite well because there's two players that have got very clearly defined roles, oh, they're and they're not trying to properly. do yeah. each other's job. Yeah, you yeah. Know? but I think Pirlo, you're going you're to find Pirlo dropping back a lot more and picking up the ball and, and creating play from deeper. Yeah. Um, you know, so the question is, does well, you'll find Rooney also dropping yeah, so in do to you disrupt drop, there. Yeah, one yeah. of the strikers back, and so you disrupt them there, and then as he drops off, then Parker picks him up. So that'll be a fascinating tactical uh, sort of situation. But I think this could go to penalties. Yeah, I think it'll go all the way. Very tight. Could be a nil-nil. I was going to say, I I can see there not being any goals at all from this one. Two very good keepers as well, so it'll go to penalties. So, and the potential of playing Germany in the semis. I was actually trying to remember when the last time England played Italy in a finals tournament, and I think it was the third place playoff at Italia 90 was England Italy, and Italy won two one. Italy won two one. Yeah. Wasn't that when Shilton had the ball and Baggio came around and nicked the ball off him and scored the so winner? No, I'd switched off by that point. Yeah. I know David Platt scored. I think Scalacci scored to win the golden boot, but golden bronze medal. Who cares? Um, all right. Odds on the game, as we said, too tight to call for the game itself. Two dollars eighty-eight both sides. Uh, England to win the tournament eight bucks. Italy to win the tournament nine bucks. Uh, England to make the final is now $4.80 and Italy to make the final is $4.70. So two equal sides. Uh, could be nil-nil. Could be a ding-dong. Who knows? Yeah. I, think it, I, I think the draw after 90 minutes would be, uh, would be the, the value bet. Bookie's giving England the same chance as Portugal making, of winning the thing. That's got to be a huge compliment to the England side. No, just <laughs> just a just a signal of where the money goes. Yes. It's all the yeah. mug punters like, backing with their heart, not their head. But anyway, thanks to uh, our sponsors, Betfair, for uh, for all of that uh, intelligence and odds. And uh, just a reminder: please do bet responsibly, as we all do. Uh, we will be. Uh, what nights are you going to be down at the casino, Ado? What nights can people uh, expect to see you there? I think you can see me for the Saturday Germany Greece game. All my Greek friends. Come down and join us at the 24-7 Sports Bar at Star Casino. It's fantastic atmosphere. I will definitely be there on a Monday morning for of England course, Italy. We'll the, for the big question mark is, do I book the morning off, the day off work? <laughs> oh, not sure. If it goes to pen, extra time and penalties, I'm not sure I can do that without a beer. So we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, it's been a cracking atmosphere down there. Mark Bosnich has been down. We've had... Lucas, Lucas Neal yeah. down there. Where half the soccer Tim Kale popped in. Spider Callitz has been there. The Rudans have been there. The fans have been there. 
Boz's biscuits been there? Boz's. Chocolate day Yeah, I had one of Boz's biscuits this morning. I'm yeah. not sure he knows. So sorry, Boz, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, but yeah, that chocolate digestive this morning kept yeah. me going. We've, anyway. had, we've had Matildas down there. We've had everyone down there. It's been a great atmosphere. So come on down and join us. Get yourselves down there. All right, we will be back uh, at the end of next week to preview the final in depth. Uh, but there's a lot of football to be played before then. Uh, so I don't know who your money's on, but we're off to uh, to put ours on, on Betfair. All right. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Ado. You're welcome. And we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.